This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 149 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we discuss the art of reading horses' body language. In Patapedia, we focus on tips for shipping horses across the country. In Critter Nutrition, we learn about Chinese astrology. And in Coffee Clatch, we ask, what insects would you like to have as a pet? Join us! And I'm Patty. And I am Coach Jen, and it's my turn. (laughs) (laughs) This is the part of the show where we just kind of catch up on what's going on, chit-chat, etc. And we do a little bit of a round-robin. We we get to change up who gets to initiate the conversation. And every so often, Patty and Tigger let their guard down, and then I get to do it. Uh-oh. We abdicate our power. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and Patty, I'm going to ask you to speak up just a little bit because you're quiet today. Okay. Yes, I am. So my quiz question, because my quiz questions are my favorite. Um, my quiz question is, what object or skill would like you like to obtain in 2022? Go, Tigger. What mm-hmm. object or skill would you like to obtain in 2022. Oh, this is a good one. I, I this, want to fly. You want what? To fly. You know, huh. on my own manpower. Oh, there we go. You, you want to sprout wings and... <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. I do. Was it Daughtless? Da- wasn't there a Greek person who did that? Daughtless? Is that who that was? Um, Apollo had wings. Yeah, but there's one. He, he flew and he went too high and his wings melted. Icarus. Icarus, he, thank you. I had the U.S. right. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, uh, Dumbo the elephant, but <laughs> yeah, I don't wrong, want the big ears. I just, I just yeah. want to be able to. You just want to fly. That's a good one. Out wings and mm. and fly. Mine, mine being elephant. Boy, imagine the places you could get quickly. Well, that and just the perspective of looking over things—that's got to be a, you know, that's got to be cool. That's got to be very cool. Now, how how so, do you feel about yeah. flying in an irregular airplane, pet Tigger? Uh, I'm not crazy about it. Not crazy about it. I okay. have to do it, but sometimes you have, you know. Sometimes, but I would to. rather fly my own. My own. So, wing. would you do a like an ultralight or hang glide? No freaking way. Well, if <laughs> you, you know, want to fly, hello. It's different. It's different. It's different. I think having your own wings is that's the key, you know, because you can glide when you want to glide and catch the 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 updrafts or decide to land, but I don't want to be in a craft to do it. I want to do it on my, you know, see that that's so. how, that's how a hang glider works. Yeah. It doesn't look that. Like that <laughs> yeah. She's like, no, so, so, I, yeah. too many people like go crashing into the faces of cliffs and there you go. yeah. So, no. so Maybe, Tigger is yeah, going to fly. Okay. So okay. Patty, what item object or skill Will you would you like to obtain in twenty twenty two? Well, I have like a real like one that I really am going to do. Oh, <laughs> I mean, 
So like not a, cause I telling you right now, I'd like to fly for sure. I want, I'm, I would go with Tigger. Tigger. I'd be flying with Tigger, but I, <laughs> I, um, fly Tigger. I, yeah, I'm going to fly Tigger, um, remotely. Um, I, one of the things that I, one of my goals for this year is I have become so incredibly fascinated with working equitation, <laughs> which is, um, so, as one of my clients says, it's just dressage with stuff in the arena. Yep. And it's really <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, so we've been, um, for a Christmas present for two of my clients, I gave them a lesson with a master, you know, master's level equitation, uh, working equitation oh, judge and fun. competitor. And I have to tell you what, what's been really cool about it is, uh, one of my clients is a really kind of very, gets very hot and overstimulated really easily. And the cool thing is when you're working on these different things, which still require balance and 10 meter circles and counting your strides and blah, 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 all these fun things, um, you still have to have the horse round and whatever, but it gets you, it gets your, you and the horse thinking about different things. So the horse just being focused on, I'm, you know, feeling, you know, slightly out of control turns into, well, now I'm turning, oh, they're turning my shoulders again. Well, I'm not thinking about that. So it's just, it's just a neat process. And I've been doing it with my little baby Hal, who is um, not so little. He's, I don't know. I keep telling everybody 16, one, I think he's 17, three. And, um, and you pick up the garrocha and you have to spear the, you know, it's a ring that's on the top of the bull. It's just fun. And it's just a, so I want to compete and do that. Oh, that's that's fun. one of my you must you must post pictures and videos it's i yes, did a, I, I did a play her. day once and it is so much fun so much yeah, fun they're pretty cool yeah, yeah it's really and the, the really neat thing is this woman who comes and takes dressage lessons from me um her name is dory um Atkins. we should probably get her on the show because she's just a fascinating lady with all the stuff that they do but um she's gonna loan me her master's horse to compete oh so, wow I know. So I've ridden right before we left uh, to come down to Florida. I got to take two lessons on him. And, um, and the cool thing is from the dressage part of it, I was like, I'm, I'm helping her get the horse quicker and, you know, um, and more under to get the, the changes better and, um, you know, helping with their dressage part, which helps with all the working out. It's just, it's so fat. There's a lot of rules to it, but they make sense once you look at it. And, um, you know, it's just fascinating. It's just fascinating. So it's just fun. It's just fun. There you go. Da-da-da. So that's my goal. What about you? What about you? Do you want to fly with me to one of my working equitations? <laughs> Things when I send <laughs> Tigger remotely. Unlike Tigger, I do not have a burning desire to see the earth from thousands of feet up. Okay. Okay. I do not. I, you know, object or item or skill, I would like to get better at letting go of control of things. That's what I want to be. I want to be better at letting this. It's okay. It can happen that way. I don't have to fix everything. Yeah. I'm a fixer. So I'm going to work on not being such a fixer. I think that's just ingrained into the female... Uh, genetic genetic there yeah (laughs) i i I think that's how you know we made it through the last fifteen thousand years um you know men went off and hunted and we problem solved yes (laughs) and took care of things yes and we 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 found their bow and arrow for them when they forgot where they left it yes yes exactly yeah (laughs) yeah that that's actually that's a really that's a really quite a good one 
I wouldn't mind. I, I, I was trying to come that. up with something that I could apply to a lot of things, so I would only have to obtain one skill. <laughs> ah, <laughs> it's like, oh, oh I can good. apply that to lots of stuff. That's only one skill. Do that one. <laughs> well, the skill I'm I'm I have been working on for several years is giving up expectation. Which, Not, of course, is related to control. Abs- absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Giving up the picture. Yeah. Yeah. And just letting it be whatever it's going to be and not getting in a huff about whether it wasn't the way I wanted it to be. Excellent. That's hard to do, though. It's so hard to do. Yes. I mean, yes. consistently. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, that's very hard to do. Yes. And I think you're going to find that trait in any successful self-employed person, a business Mm. owner who has developed and made their, they're all like that because that trait is also what creates the drive to create a successful business. Whether like you, Patty, it's a business where you ride horses or like you, Tigger, it's a business where you create a product and sell it to the public. This, that deep need to expect a certain level of success at all times is a driving force behind the success of the business. Well, you know, that's interesting mm-hmm. because the book I listened to driving down here to Wellington um, was about Amazon. Mm. And what struck me in many, you know, about Jeff Bezos, um, yes, he had a vision, but he where he really shined was in finding attracting hiring the best people in various whether they were engineers or um coders or customer service and then instill in them this passion for the vision so that they gave up their weekends, their personal life, and just dedicated themselves to Amazon. Yes. What is so intriguing to me about him is that he he didn't – the expectation wasn't what drove him. It was the vision. Mm-hmm. And the vision is, mm-hmm. is far less specific and – I mean, I can say in my case, I didn't have any expectations of where, uh, I mean, if you had told me when I started Biostar, it would be where it is today. I would have said no freaking way. So in that regard, I I have never, in business, I don't, my expectations are kind of different. They're more in like, you know, the excellence of the product and the excellence of the customer service and, and in the details of the company. But in the big picture, I'm, I, I've really... I don't I don't have that other than you know the whole food vision but I don't have a I don't have the kind of expectation we're going to do this amount of sales and da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. no I I learned long ago to throw that out the window because it's too limiting when you put a number on something you limit yourself cuz the universe could be giving you you know a whole lot more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um, my my problem with expectation is more in my personal life, expecting friends, family, dogs, you know, events to be the way I think they should turn out. 
And that's, yeah. And, and, you know, like I knew in my mind driving down to Wellington that there was going to be traffic. I had no idea it would be as bad as it was. And because Mm. I, I already had programmed myself to, you know, be prepared. It's going to be the fact that it was so bad that what normally takes nine hours took 12 um, just to get to, to Georgia. Um, I was constantly fighting with the expectation. You know, that was my struggle as I was driving and getting annoyed and getting, you know, very type A and wanting to yell out the window at some idiot driver, you know, uh, you know, just neutral, let go of the expectation. You already knew it was going to be a tough drive. Okay, just settle in. Yes. So, and, and thus your need to develop the skill of flying yourself. Correct. Yay, we've come full circle. <laughs> and now we're at Roundtable, and I was inspired by an article in The Horse, Seven Signs to Recognize in Equine Body Language. And at first when I looked at it, I went, oh, come on, you know, horse people know body language. But reading this article made me realize, well, maybe, you know, maybe we need a primer. And what really struck me was this section called I'm stressed. Horses in acute, this is a quote, horses in acute stress display fairly recognizable body language. They might have forward pointing ears, wide open eyes, wide nostrils, a high head, a stiff stance, a raised tail. They might blow out through their nose. Horses coming out of stressful situations often lick and chew as an involuntary reaction. I'm going to stress that involuntary. Simply put, this occurs because switching from a sympathetic nervous system response to acute stress to the parasympathetic nervous response, rest and restore, causes the horse to go from a dry mouth to a wet one. As the horse begins to salivate, he licks and chews. Quote, this is an area of significant confusion especially among horse whisperer type clinicians who may not have a scientific background, end quote. Quote, they put the horse through a stressful situation and then mistakenly interpret the horse's body language of licking and chewing as a sign of submission or special bonding, but it's not. It's a sign of a horse being released from a higher to a lower level of acute alarm or stress, end quote. That really struck me. Yeah. I would find it interesting to test cortisol levels of horses that mm-hmm. go, that display that behavior, because that's a really good measure of the horse's stress. Measure the cortisol yeah. level when they're stressed, measure it again immediately after they lick and chew uh, and yep. and and see the differences because that process is displayed by horses under many many many, many different circumstances. Yep. yep. Nigel 100% of the time when he's getting his feet done every time she finishes with a front foot she picks up the front foot she trims it she puts it down he licks and chews and yawns. Picks it up, 
puts the shoe on, puts it down. He licks and chews and yawns. He's holding his foot up. I find it a little, and he's not even tied up. He's just standing in the alley holding his foot up. So I, I'm really curious to see under different circumstances if we see differences in cortisol because I personally think that that physical act is much more complex than just a change in sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system. I think it's more complex than that. Hmm. That's just my opinion, but you know, it's the round table. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's so interesting because, you know, when you're doing, if you do round pen work, you know, you used to yep. do tons of stuff like that. I mean, one of the things you wanted them to do was stop and chew and look at you, you know, yep. you're sort of raise their stress level and then turn back and get them to kind of get on you and, um, you know, relax and chew. And, um, and I, and I will tell you, I mean, Tigger, I think you would agree. You know that you can get them to get on you when you move them around and turn their body. And they, when they start to chew and do that, you know, that they're paying attention to you, but, but I get now, now I'm going to wonder why. Me too. And I think what's important about what she points out is that it's not, they're not joining up hmm. and that's how we, in general, they, we've interpreted it at that it, it, yeah. it, it, it's almost a sign of submission. And really it's just the two different, you know, nervous system responses. Hmm. And the licking is because they're creating saliva now. Interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to think about that. I don't and know what to think about. I don't either. That's why I wanted to have it as a round table. Because then it got me thinking, you know, the horses create like 12 to 15 gallons of saliva a day. That saliva is a bicarbonate. So it reduces acid, the acidity in the stomach. Okay. So, oh, well, that's so it makes sense when they're stressed that they're not going to be producing a lot of saliva. Yes. Yeah. That does make sense. So if they're not producing okay, a lot of saliva, that they're probably got higher levels of acid in the stomach. But but let's take that one step further, because one of the things that you want to do when you're riding, especially in dressage, is you want them to have a foamy mouth, which obviously that would be good for their gut, right? But one of the things that you like to see is when they start to chew. You know, they yes. chew and start to salivate. But that's that's showing you that they're not in a heightened stress. I mean, it depends on their action of chewing. You know, the horse that yeah. crunches on the bit intensely is not yeah, well, that's a relaxed obvious. horse. And, and also, yeah. when you think about it, the the whole foamy mouth thing, which frankly is is new, you know, in 1968, nobody cared if your horse had a foamy mouth. Nope. But think about it. He's creating saliva. He's not swallowing it. It's not doing his tummy mm-hmm. any good at all. It's all dripping out the front. Yep, that's true. Although you hopefully they're swallowing because well, they can't swallow if they're on the bit. They can't swallow physically. They have to be able mm. to get in front of the vertical in order for their body to physically swallow. So if your horse has a foamy mouth and he's creating a lot of saliva, and he's taking a break frequently, going, "Oh, thanks," he can. He has that opportunity. But my my theory is, if all of it's dripping out the front, yes, he's creating a lot of saliva. But where's it going? The reason mm-hmm. people want saliva is because it's cool looking and it's an instantaneous way to say, look, my horse is relaxed. Just like the whole, look, my horse licked and chewed. He loves me. Yeah. It's it's oversimplifying a very complex process. Yes. 
Hmm. And that's the whole reason for the sugar cubes, the yes. marshmallow fluff. Yes. Yeah. All the things. Yes. Yeah. Well, also, but also too, when they have, when they, they, they're friendly like that and they do salivate and, you know, and there's also, cause we get make this whole conversation about, you know, when they have like long, you know, stringy drool versus a little bit tighter foam, which is supposedly when they've activated, you know, the salivary glands because they're on the bit, you know, type of thing. But, um, I mean that, that, you know, that there's that whole concept too, but also, you know, when they do that in the marshmallow fluff too, if I understand correctly, part of that too is to show that, you know, you to hide if their mouth is open, if they're, if they're pulling the sides of their mouth back, you know, where oh, they're yeah. open. I never and thought then, of that. Huh. Yeah. Well, it hides stuff. It does. Never thought of that. Wow. Interesting stuff. I know. So. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I, it, it makes me kind of reconsider what maybe I assumed about what horse language is showing me and how I'm interpreting it. I, I may not be reading them right. Well, and not just hmm. in this area, but in other areas. And it, and that's not a bad thing to say, okay, maybe I, maybe I need to pay more attention or have less of an expectation of what I think it is. <gasps> there we back to the expectations. We have so many circles today. <laughs> oh, we full circled on that. Again. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Hi, Hetty. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everyone. I hope so far it has gone well for you. Absolutely. Did you get nice things? <laughs> you mean for Christmas? Or New Year's or whatever? <laughs> yes. What did you get? A jet? Did you get a jet? <laughs> I, I did not get a jet, unfortunately. Mm. Did you? Bad. No. <laughs> no one so. did that I know. Well, our, our question today is, what are your New Year's resolutions for 2022? Well, I have the one that, you know, it's sort of a constant. Improve the servant. Right. I scold right. the servant. I ride herd. I try to explain. And it's daily, dedicated stream of consciousness how she lets me down. And how she's really just overall a failure on nearly every possible level. So that's really something to which I dedicate a great deal of time and effort. Mm -hmm. Do you have any, like, personal goals for self-improvement? Well, I mean, I hope to hone my critiques to make them more meaningful. Because so far, despite my years of effort, she remains totally inadequate. (laughs) <laughs> how about uh, yourself are you um are there any areas of your personality that could be tweaked um i suppose i could be more adorable <laughs> wow okay how could i be more adorable i mean i'm so cute <laughs> and i'm so lovable and I'm so easy to get along with. Yeah, that's the that's exactly what I would have on the top of the list. 
Well, perhaps mm-hmm. you would not, but everyone else would. I'm sure our many fans will write in to say they adore me. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad you don't need any self-improvement, Hetty. That 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 certainly shows great confidence and um, look at and my selflessness, dedicating my time to improving the servant. <laughs> well, yes, that's. I didn't look at it that way, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Anything mm. that you would like to um, uh, self-improve in the world? Oh, yes. There are many things. My biggest concerns are environmental. I am very concerned about global warming. Do you know that over Christmas in upstate New York, there was no snow? No snow. It was above freezing. And this sort of thing cannot be attributed simply to a polar vortex parked over Siberia. That is an immature way to understand climate change. We must address this issue. We must address climate, the factors producing climate change. It is time to wean ourselves off of fossil fuels forever before we doom our planet to extinction. And all the Pomeranians on it. I was more Mm -hmm. concerned about the whales. Do you know two new baby right whales were born? 10 and 11 now. Oh. Oh. It's good news for the little whales. Yeah, that's of course the they'll be killed by propellers or something. But you know, at least they will have been born. <laughs> well, on that uplifting note, say, oh. thanks for being an environmentalist and yeah. um, looking out for the whales and um, looking out for your servant as always. Having yes, the- I could meet a whale. We'll put but that we on the could- list. We could arrange that. We'll arrange that for you. Like a nice orca. (laughs) So we're at (laughs) Tigapatapedia portion of our Good for spitting that out on the first try. Yeah, really. That was pretty good. For all the listeners, that was one try. Um, (laughs) I just made a trek across the country, and I thought it would be a great idea for us to have a discussion and give some tips for shipping horses across the country. Um, Tigger and I have done that a bunch. I'm not sure if you've done that, uh, Jen, but uh, we just recently shipped 12 horses from Texas all the way to Florida, and there's tons of things to consider. And I just thought I would go over some of the tips um, that I generally do. And I try to always, um, we ship our horses commercially, which is an important thing to think about. There's different ways to do it. People can ship their own, but I like to do it commercially so I can do box stalls and they don't have to stop and they get straight through, which is a great thing. But I start prepping beforehand. I I try to make sure, um, you know, weeks beforehand that I have somewhat of a schedule and some things that I do. So you guys chime in if you do anything different, because I'd love to hear. But I feel very, um, very important to keep the same um, schedule with food and hay a couple weeks out. You know, don't do any major changes because it takes horses a long time to adjust to different hay and grain. So I think that's a that big thing. But one of the most uh, common practices, and I know you guys will, both of you guys will know this, is we all used to oil. Remember, Tigger? We would oil our horses yep. before we'd get yep. up. Mineral oil. Oh, mineral oil. Thinking. 
Well, and again, first, I mean, for so many reasons, it was a little bit barbaric, but um, for listeners that, that don't know anything about what that means is that they pass a tube down the horse's nose and they put oil into their stomach so they will keep their um, intestines continuing to go because once they get on a trailer and they become stressed and they don't eat as much because they're, you know, horses are in constant peristalsis and they can't eat the whole time or if they run out of hay, you know, that can make them colic and be an issue. But so many reasons why. I mean, how many times have you guys seen it done where they would nick a, um, a vessel and then the horse would be bleeding? And it was just, it was just to me, it's just such a barbaric thing, forcing something down the horse's throat. Now, um, I don't even know if do that anymore. I think they just run fluids. But, but anyway, that's something we don't do anymore. And the purpose was obviously to keep them um, hydrated and keep their systems moving. But because when, you know, when horses constantly eat at home and they're on a trailer, they can't. But hay should be, you know, available to the horses throughout the trip. If you are shipping yourself, make sure you have a nice big hay bag. If you're doing it with shippers, you'll find that most of them are really wonderful about giving hay throughout the trip. When they stop, they'll give more hay and um, and, and obviously uh, fill up water buckets, which is another important thing. I find it very helpful um, because my good friend Tigger told me so that I keep, um, I give my horses uh, salt every day, which also keeps them on a daily basis um, hydrated, making sure it encourages them to drink, especially when weather changes. But I do that. I really make sure that's a big effort um, before the trip because dehydration, which is a number one issue for traveling with horses, can start days before um, you ever see it, the effects of it. So it's just super important to make sure they're, they're drinking and they, um, uh, and that they keep drinking water. And I mentioned before, don't make any big hay, um, or grain, uh, changes before the trip because it takes, it takes weeks for them to adjust. It's also a very common practice for people. And I think this is probably the standard now to give GastroGuard or UltraGuard, which is, um, a product that's a that can coat their stomachs to help them make the transition when they're traveling. Some people do it a couple days beforehand and a few days after. I recently switched to a product from Biostar called TriGuard, which helps the entire GI tract. And I have to say, Tigger, this is the second time we've done it. When we came to Virginia and went back to Texas and came here, the horses, absolutely none of them had an issue. So can't, re- can't recommend that enough. Thank you. And I, know, and, and I know a gal that you can get it from. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um one of the other things that I like to do as well, and I'm very lucky because I ship enough horses um, that I have a good working relationship with the company that I use, is to give alfalfa during the trip. Uh, if you ship commercially, that can be a bit of a thing because I like to give the regular hay and some alfalfa, but alfalfa is just very good for their tummy. So that's just a nice little tip for when they get off the get off the trailer and they're feeling good. Um, hey, I'll, I'll interject right here because my horses don't yeah. typically get alfalfa. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, and one of the great things about the whole alfalfa thing, which of course you're going to give them a little bit each day before the trip happens too, so they get used Absolutely. to it. For horses who tend to not want to eat while they're on their road, if mm-hmm. you give them some nice yummy alfalfa, they'll eat. So not only are they eating, just eating, period, but they're also eating something that is more beneficial than a grass type hay. So it's a win-win if you can get... a a week or so in advance, start giving your horse a few handfuls till he gets up to a few flakes of alfalfa if he's not used to it. When we shipped my previous horse, Beaker, down here, we shipped him commercially from Kentucky to Florida. 
the company I used feeds the horses alfalfa out of hay nets on the road. That's just standard operating procedure. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to get off the trailer. He's like, no, I'll just stay here. You can just travel around the country. Good. I'm good. good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get this last bite. I'll be with you in a second. Yep. Well, and one of the things that brings up kind of another point that I do as well is I do uh, first, if you're if for us, because we're coming to a different location, a different place, and, you know, we're here for more than one month or, you know, here for three months, um, make sure that where you're going has the hay that you're feeding because you don't want to get down some t- somewhere to, or for us for sure here. And even if it's the same type of hay, like say you feed Timothy or you feed, feed orchard grass, it's going to be coming from all different places in the country. So it's not the same. So make sure you bring um, some of your own hay to transition on to whatever hay you'll end up um, getting. Cause it, it still can be a hard adjustment, different soils it grows out of all That's that good a big stuff. One. That's a really big one. Yep. It's a big one. And also making sure that you can get your same grain down here. It's pretty good, but there are certain products in Texas that you absolutely can't get here. And last but not least, and this is kind of an interesting one, I'll be really curious to hear what you guys say. Um, years and years ago, I would wrap my horses from head to toe. I no longer do that. I just ship them in bell boots to make sure they're protected that way. I have just found over time and done a lot of reading about how hot they get and how hot their tendons get when you keep them completely wrapped. Now, I'm not saying it's the wrong the wrong thing to do. It's just for me. I know my horses well enough. I put on a nice soft bell boot in case they get tossed around on the truck at all. But um, I just don't put anything on their legs anymore. What do you guys think about that? I also was a shipping bandages from coronet to knee and coronet yeah. to hock. <laughs> that was standard operating procedure for most of my life. Although mm-hmm. the first time I ever shipped a horse commercially. They said, you know, we'd really rather you didn't put bandages on them. And I said, fine, bell boots, because they had shoes on. And mm-hmm. nowadays, when I ship Nigel all about, we go to all over the place, generally in short trips. As a rule, he doesn't wear any bandages, and he only wears bell boots if he's got shoes on. Mm-hmm. But the exception to that is if I take him someplace where he has to work really hard, for example, I take him fox hunting or I take him for a training ride, which would be trotting and cantering for four to eight miles, a really hard ride. If I immediately ship him back home versus staying overnight, I will put standing wraps on him to drive yep. home. I, yeah, just because he's he's gonna he's gonna be really tired. <laughs> yeah, and and that also yeah that helps. And one of the things, and actually Tigger, you uh, you probably don't even remember, but years ago you turned me on to those um, stretch flex boots that uh they're really they're thin but oh they were from to, england they oh, were like little great. socks aren't they yeah yeah they have like little yeah um so i i i use those a lot when i'm shipping locally and i've also done a lot of research about the ones with the lamb's wool and how much better they breathe so like if i ship locally i will i'll put those those on you know um just because it's local and it's you know it's a little extra protection but um, it's so funny how everybody's gotten, I mean, Tigger, don't you remember how we would just like, <laughs> up to the, Listen, like you could see, I, I remember was- wrapping in flannels. Yep. Oh yeah. Flannels with safety pins. With, with the big safety old pins. Diaper pins. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, and, what, and, and it remember, wasn't, it wasn't to, standing bandages with bell boots either. The the bandage had no, to go all the way to no, the corner. All the way. Yeah. You had yeah. to make it. Yeah. You had to make it into. Yeah. And, yeah. um, so, 
and all the ads in the horse magazines for all these different shipping boots. Yes, shipping boots were the, the rage there that, in the eighties and eighties and early nineties. Yep, they yeah. went up over the knee, and yeah, yeah. Rock, and then you would get you would get to wherever you were wanted to be, and if they weren't a stiff enough uh, fabric, they would be falling down around their ankles. That was a panic. Do you remember any of those? Yes. And then they started making really, really, really stiff, and they were so hot. Yes. They were so, so and hot. Any horse that was a jerk in the trailer, all they did was step on them and rip them right off, and you'd, stand, yeah. you'd get to where yeah. you were going, or and kick. they were standing on top of them and pooping on them. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. And so that's to get them off. That's so interesting, because, you know, we used to run a quarantine facility, and my husband would go up to Newburgh and pick the horses up, and he did it for about six months to eight months, and he said, Patty... I, I'm not shipping them. He said, they just kick and kick and kick and kick and they're unhappy. So he was someplace and he took all the wraps off and horse stood like a champ because, and, and that's when I started to really think, I'm like, you know, what are we doing to them? Are, is this for mm-hmm. us or is it for them? You know? Right. Um, so I'm, I'm very, very big on that now. Funny how we all evolve. That's, that's <laughs> why I can't get rid of all those extra shipping boots I've got laying in my tack room. I keep taking them to the yard sale and no one will buy them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There's a reason. <laughs> Nobody wants them. And here we are at Critter Nutrition. We had such a response, positive response from listeners on the Native American astrology. I thought we tackled Chinese. <laughs> um, and of course, we are coming up on the Chinese New Year. Um, that's in February. Um, and we use a lot of traditional Chinese medicine in uh, for horses and dogs, so just felt like a good fit. There's a, a very a very interesting story on the mythology behind the Chinese zodiac. Uh, a prominent emperor, probably the, a jade emperor, announced a great race. The order of 12 animals to be determined by their finishing time. And second, that the rat cheated. The rat is the beginning of the Chinese astrology. So it's like Aries in our astrology of uh, Greco-Roman, which starts in the spring. That's Aries. In uh, Chinese, it starts with a rat. The rat can alternately be considered clever for his role in the story. Upon realizing no one could outrun the ox, he jumped on the ox's shoulders, only to hop off once they crossed a river, so that he won the race by a rat's nose. Hence, the rat is the first animal in the Chinese zodiac, the ox is second, and the ten other are ordered according to how they fared in the race. The pig is last because he stopped for a snack and a nap en route. So that's the the fable of how we got the 12 animals of the Chinese zodiac. Begins with rat. You do have to look up uh, the specific year that you were born or your dog was born or your horse was born to find out if it was the year, uh, what year animal it was in Chinese astrology. So the personality traits of a rat are ambitious, charming, talkative, resourceful, private, frugal, and critical. The ox. Personality traits are diligent, gentle, 
hardworking, reliable, patient, materialistic, and stubborn. The tiger, confident, brave, magnetic, idealistic, thrill-seeking, arrogant, and selfish. The rabbit, kind, sensitive, artistic, romantic, judgmental, timid, refined. The dragon, outspoken, energetic, generous, intelligent, perfectionistic, egocentric, and impatient. The snake, clever, curious, alluring, wise, anxious, calculating, jealous. The horse, amusing, enthusiastic, independent, persuasive, irresponsible, moody, opportunistic. The goat or the sheep, easygoing, empathetic, creative, cheerful, disorganized, impulsive, and lazy. Monkey, entertaining, intelligent, optimistic, sociable, fickle, secretive, unpredictable. Rooster, adventurous, charitable, funny, loyal, argumentative, boastful, self-involved. The dog, helpful, honest, trustworthy, unselfish, pessimistic, anxious, and timid. The pig, caring, generous, smart, outgoing, fearful, impatient, and materialistic. Now, those are the 12 basic signs of the Chinese zodiac, but it becomes a little bit more complex because in Chinese astrology, they add the five elements. The five elements are fire, earth, metal, water, and wood. So depending on the year, so in, in, I'm going to take for Mike, in my case, the year I was born, it was the year of the dragon. So I am a dragon. But... Because the elements are involved, if the last number of your birth is in years is a zero or a one. So let's say you were born in 1960, you are a metal. So whatever animal you are, let's say you're a rat, you're a metal rat. Hmm. It's associated with uh, solidarity and willpower. My birth year, the last year of my birth is a two or a three. I'm born in 1953, so I am a water dragon. It's associated with responsiveness and persuasion. Wood, birth year's last number of your birth year is a four or a five, is associated with imagination and creativity. Fire. Birth years, last number of your birth is six or seven, is associated with passion and bursts of dynamic energy. Earth, birth years, the last year of your birth is an eight or a nine, and it's associated with down-to-earth qualities that encourage focus and commitment to achieving your goals. So this makes Chinese astrology a little bit more, um, I don't want to say complicated, but I, I will say interesting. Patty, do you know what year you were born? <laughs> yes, you know what? 64. I was looking, know? so I'm a wood dragon. Does that make sense? No. Are you a dragon? Well, that's what it says, 64 for Chinese. So it says wood dragon. That oh, sense? my God, we're both dragons. That doesn't surprise me. No, it doesn't surprise me either. <laughs> Not, yeah. Um, Jen? How about you? I am a... I'm a rabbit. There we go. And what element is associated with you? Three is water. 
Ah, you're a water rabbit. Which is funny because yeah. I'm not, I, I did this a lot with uh, Dr. Ying. We we did a whole bunch of, a whole series of stuff on the, the elements. And aside from the astrological signs, the elements, I'm very much a metal. Mm. Which is interesting. But it's, if you look at the, if you take a very wide view of the traits of any given, you can yeah. attribute the traits to different parts of your life. And I, when I looked at it, I went, oh, well, yeah, I do have some of that water stuff going. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's so, pretty fascinating. Yeah, into, I'm intuitive. Yes, I'm, and creative. I'm creative. I'm faithful. Even-tempered, not so much. <laughs> well, there could be other aspects. Finicky, yes, I'm finicky. Um, <laughs> those are fun. They are fun. You, and it's fun to do them with your pets, too. Yeah, it's really fun yeah. to do them with your animals because it really t- it tells you a lot. And especially when it comes to um, needing to balance them from a, a food perspective. Oh, Knowing yeah. their birth element can be very helpful as they will tend to be, you know, a water animal will tend to um, be more... I'm going to say emotional or sensitive than an animal that has fire element. They're going to be more reactive. And hmm. um, and depending on what you are, you know, you certainly, uh, 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 let's say uh, uh, t- uh, if you were born in the year of the tiger and it was a fire, so you're a fire tiger and your horse is a fire dragon, might not be a great might not be a good match yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's that's yeah that's cool so anyway um you know enjoy chinese astrology is is really fascinating and of course in in the real chinese tradition every single day in the new calendar is either a pig or a rooster or a tiger or a dragon, and it will affect whether you should plant or whether it's a good time to make a purchase or whether it's a good time to get married. I mean, they mm-hmm. have it down, you know, daily, um, you know, like the, the Greco-Roman astrology that we know. But I, I really enjoy the, the Chinese and Native American astrology because it's more, you know, earthy it's it's we can relate to all these animals i can't really relate to you know the constellations as well (laughs) (laughs) real horses and real dogs are healthier perform better and recover more quickly on real food that's why biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100 percent whole food nutrition supplements and feeding programs Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. 
coffee clutch. And my question is, which <laughs> insects would you enjoy having as a pet? <laughs> Where did you, what, what inspired this question? Because I'm in Florida and there are a lot of insects. Well, yeah, there are, yes, there are a lot of insects in Florida. But it also was a, a great opportunity to think about all the insects that I really do like and not focus on the ones I don't like. There you go. Which yeah, ones do you like, Patty or Tigger? We want to know. Okay, so I'll, I'll start because I have three that are in my top three. Okay. <laughs> the first one is a butterfly. Or um, a caterpillar, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, you can't have a caterpillar as a pet because it's not going to stay a caterpillar. I know, but then it becomes this beautiful butterfly, so it's a win-win. Oh, okay. The but second... the way Tigger wants to fly. That's true. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I'm, uh, yes, I am, I'm obsessed with having my own set of wings. Um, and the second is a praying mantis. I th think they are the coolest insects, and I love that the females kill their husbands. Um, I think that's so awesome. Um, they kill their mates, I should say, because they're not really married. And the third is one of my favorite little creatures. It's a cricket. Oh, I didn't even think of crickets. That's a good I idea. I love them. They're little chirps. They're so cute. And I always wanted to have my own pet cricket after I saw the Disney Mulan version. <laughs> I thought that would be awesome. Yeah. Cricket coming, you know, riding on your shoulder and squeaking and yeah. Isn't that called a trainer? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Patty? Okay. I'm not a big fan of bugs. But Tigger, you got me thinking. First, I I praying mantis for sure because they're just cool or stick bugs. So that's you know that's that's oh, kind of stick bugs are really cool. Yeah, so I think they're cool. But um, years ago, uh, down at Rivers Bend in Alta Vista, in the middle of nowhere, when I would be doing full watch, I would put out full monitors or baby monitors so I could listen to you know if the mirror was going to lay down, and I'll never forget sitting in the office all alone in the middle of 350 acres. I mean, you know, granted my husband and my kids weren't that far away, but still I felt like I was all alone and I heard this dragging noise and I was like, this is crazy. What is it? So I went out and I looked now, I'm not sure. I'm going to tell you what it looks like. It's got to be a version of this. It was called a Hercules beetle. And they have like these pinchers. If you look them up, some of those suckers get huge, but they are, um, I, and I swear it like was staring at me <laughs> and coming quick, but they are really cool. And they're also known as a rhinoceros beetle. Oh, have you I ever, know what that is. Okay. Oh, I know exactly what that is. Yeah. Okay. It's got like the big pincher thingy and the little one on the bottom. And um, now I'm now. And they they can fly, and um, and when they fly at you, all of a sudden they form teeth, and they're gaping kind of at you. <laughs> that part be, might be made up a little bit, but that's what it feels like in the middle of the night. But they can they can just so you know they can um, pull like eight hundred and fifty times their weight, which I just thought was cool. So wow. I when I say that I want like I would want one, I would want one not near me. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to clarify that. Okay. Okay. 
Those are mine. How about you, Jen? Oh my gosh. Well, a butterfly, all of mine are in groups. I don't want an, a single insect of any kind as a pet. Just a little bit too creepy for me. But butterfly it's garden came to my mind immediately because I love yeah. butterfly gardens. And then I thought, oh, honeybees would be nice too. Because, yes. Because they make oh. lovely honey. And they're also really fun to watch. I love to sit and yes, just, they to are. watch and they're busy, you know. So I'm, I'm going to go with honeybees since you already took butterflies. I'm going with honeybees. And we we wouldn't have a world without them. That's right. I mean, we yeah, would. That's true. We would not that's have anything important. to eat. Yeah, they're critical. Yeah. So, um, if you've got a favorite insect, or if you want to start looking at insects in a more positive <laughs> way, <laughs> let Don't us know. Contact us on our Facebook page or our website, healthycrittersradio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to healthycrittersradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. <laughs> <laughs>